This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here again today with another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. We've got a special guest today. He's a mobile home park owner, investor, syndicator. He's even a podcaster. Please help me welcome Andrew Keel. Andrew, hey. how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Hey, you got it, Andrew. Thanks for coming on. Well, I know you a little bit, and I think yeah, most of our viewers probably do too. You got a pretty pretty public profile, but in case they don't, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, and then, and then ultimately how you got into the MHP space. Yeah, totally. I, I started out flipping houses around Central Florida. Uh, by happenstance, through some yellow letters I mailed out, I came across a couple of manufactured houses uh, that were you know, near where I lived in Central Florida. Uh, went out, bought them, the individual mobile homes, there was two of them, and got a great deal on them, bought them both for $2,200 cash and had no idea what I was going to do with them. So I got on YouTube and I typed in how to make money with mobile homes. And I found a guy named Lonnie Scruggs, a ton of videos on, on manufactured housing and, and creating mailbox money and deals on wheels is a book that he wrote. I've got so, it right over here. <laughs> and it's a classic, man. I don't know it if you is. look, but if you look on Amazon for that book right now, it's, it's selling for like $800 uh, no because way. they're not printing it anymore. Yeah, I'm making a note. I'm selling <laughs> mine this afternoon. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a good book, but $800, good read. It's crazy. Yeah. But so I, I wanted to create mailbox money. So I fixed these mobile homes up and ended up selling them on contract. And that's what Lonnie teaches. Uh, and, and ended up doing pretty well. You know, I was able to get like $3,000 as a down payment and then $250 a month for five years on both of those homes that I bought for $1,100 a piece. Uh, so it was, it was like, I was hooked into the, the mobile home business at that point when I realized the demand that I had for these homes that I was selling. So ended up doing that 19 more times with individual homes. Okay. And through that process just became, you know, you know, obsessed really with the mobile home park business and, and thought that I needed to have millions and millions of dollars to be able to buy a mobile home park of my own because I was still just trading with the homes. And then I met a park owner that told me, you know, about using other people's money and, you know, being the, the sweat equity partner and, uh, you know, just the benefits of owning the real estate versus the personal property that is the homes uh, with leverage and, you know, uh, tax benefits, et cetera. So, Eventually, uh, started marketing to mobile home park owners, went to the Frank and Dave boot camp, uh, went to a couple other you know, mobile home park training seminars, and uh, eventually found a deal uh, five states away in Illinois, uh, in Edwardsville, Illinois, okay. and uh, contacted someone that I went to the MHU boot camp with and said, hey, you know, I'll be the sweat equity. I, I just need the capital to take this down. And I didn't have the balance sheet at the time to sign on the loan. So I needed that as well. Uh, he agreed to partner with me on that first acquisition and uh, he took a chance and it ended up being a home run. I mean, we just hit it out of the park, you know, infilled seven homes, uh, raised rents and, and just managed increased, you know, management efficiencies. 
and then we were able to refi within uh, two years. And then after that, he was like, okay, well, let's do some more. So then we did four more park parks together. Those did well. And since then I've brought on partners, you know, to do syndications, uh, friends and family. And now we're taking outside investors. Uh, and we have 23 total mobile home parks that we manage and, and operate. Uh, so it's, it's been a fun ride and, and we love the business. That's, that's great. I think you've probably got a, a, a somewhat similar story to a lot of folks in the business that they started flipping houses, they backed into MHP, where I think you might be different. You, you basically syndicated your first deal. I mean, you had a, yeah. you know, only one guy, but like bringing on, that's hard to do. You must be a good salesman because <laughs> it's hard to be like, hey man, trust me, I've, I've never done this before, but, but yeah. trust me, I need you to sign the note and I need you to put up cash. It's like, wow. Yeah. And, and that guy took a lot of risk and, you know, fortunate for him, it, the deal worked out because he had the capital, but he didn't have the time, you know, because he was, he had a full-time job and was working a lot and it, it, it was, it ended up working out, but yeah, uh, it was, it was tough having to, you know, raise outside money for my first deal and have them sign recourse, you know, put their neck on the line for our first sure. deal. Yeah. My first deal, we were, we were actually looking, my dad and I were flipping single family houses and duplexes. We both had regular day jobs, but we were doing that on the side and he found a mobile home in this park. And he's like, huh, the home's for sale. And he thought maybe the park's for sale. And he called in the park and the guy said no. But we ended up looking at about 20 different parks and they all said no or hell no. The first guy ended up saying, okay, maybe. But at retail price, we had to pay retail price for it. Um, but it was 695,000. It appraised it like 780. Bank gave us 100% loan. So my first wow. deal, we had 0% in. We filled like similar amount of lots. I think it was at 48, we got it to 54. Sold it for nine fifty to some product group two years later. So it was like home run type deal, right out of the gate. Like, all right, we we need we need to quit sell. We quit. I quit doing single family, and I've since sold off those houses. I got a couple duplexes left that I that are just kind of easy peasy. But um, yeah, MHP man, the way to way to go. So obviously now you got a lot more experience and skill than then. So it's easier to get the investors, easier to justify. It. What can you tell us today? I mean, today's market. All I'm seeing and hearing is. Everything on market, I feel like, is, is very competitive, somewhat, somewhat overpriced or very competitively priced because all the interest coming in the space. So how, how are you finding deals now? Are you buying on market or are you buying off market combination? Any tips you can share with our listeners? Yeah, my tip would be is to, to spread, a, spread a wide net. You know, we have a broker relationships that we, we cherish. Uh, we have off market, you know, mailings that we do. We have cold callers as well. Uh, I think we're doing a lot of the same stuff. We're just very targeted with where we're going after. And that would be my advice to someone just starting out is, you know, don't, don't start mailing out to the 44,000 mobile home parks on Frank and Dave's list. Right. You know, that's, that's been ran through, you know, try to focus on your market wherever that is and, you know, find the parks that you really want to buy someday and uh, you know, cultivate relationships with those owners uh, once you do, you know, get a hold of them and start talking to them. That's great. Now you're in, you're obviously out of Florida, but Florida is a pretty tough market to buy in. I think because price and everything and competitiveness. Do you did you originally decide? You know, you said Edwards, Illinois. Did you decide to go outside Florida, or is that just how that how it worked out? And then what about now? Do you do you specifically pursue only a few states, or are you looking in all fifty states? Yeah, great question. Uh, when we first started out we were actually focused on the Midwest. You know, we were following the Frank and Dave model that was sure. taught at the, the MHU bootcamp. 
And that's, that's really where we got started. Uh, and then by happenstance, you know, we just kind of started bolting on properties around the portfolio that we already had in the Midwest. Uh, we have looked in Florida. And like you said, you know, the pricing is very expensive, you know, because the land, the real estate itself is so expensive. Uh, and we just, you know, the returns wouldn't be as juicy as they were cash flow wise on the properties we were finding in the Midwest. Uh, we're also finding that a lot of the all age communities in Florida, you know, are not of the same uh, caliber. You know, the, the 55 and older A grade communities around Florida are very nice. Uh, but then, you know, several of the all age communities just were of, of lower quality and we can get uh, better quality assets infrastructure wise and everything uh, in some, some more secondary markets in the, in the Midwest. Sure. Now, speaking of secondary markets, do you guys, per, do you have a, a size limit on the Metro? Most people like, you know, you prefer a hundred thousand Metro, like Frank and Dave say at the bootcamp. I've been to the bootcamp too. It's, it's a great, great course to get, get involved in. But at some point, you, I got a guy that's a, a wholesaler call me today. Hey, how small will you go? You know, and it's like <laughs> 5,000 is a little scary. You know, 25,000. I'm kind of like, what's the job set status? You know, is there a prison there, a hospital, a university, more than one factory? So I've personally gotten under the $100,000 Metro on several occasions. Do you have a firm line like that or do you look at just deal by deal or how do you go about those metrics? Yeah, it's, it's deal by deal. You know, we aim for 50,000 in the Metro. Uh, that's, that's kind of a baseline. Uh, now, if it's under that, then other things need to be perfect. You know, we kind of have some give and take there. Uh, but we do spend a lot of time looking at the jobs available in, in a market. Uh, and we, we probably spend more time on that than kind of evaluating the population numbers and things like that. Got it. Makes sense. So that's part of your, your site selection is looking at job numbers. And that's obviously part of, you know, not due diligence as much as like preliminary underwriting, selecting where you want to go. What other uh, underwriting tips can you share? Do you have any special sauces you're willing to share that, you know, or, or, or maybe a horror story that, you know, you didn't count the lots. I had that happen one time where I was out of town. My, my assistant counted the lots, the appraiser counted the lots and it was 84, I think there's 86 in the park. We were off. We got two free lots, but yeah. my appraisal didn't come in as high. So I had to put in more cash. It was like, wow. So I'm like, we're mapping them out and we're going, I mean, two people go verify that the lots are the exact. So that's a, that's a horror story. Like I, you know, embarrassed to say we, we had to come up with like 30 grand extra oh, equity the day before closing because we were off by two lots or something and we really weren't so anyway that's yeah. that's, a, that's a tip i have is count the damn lot yourself count the lots <laughs> totally yeah um i would say for an underwriting tip you know we spend a lot of time on the utility infrastructure and getting those and we we spend a lot of money like we just had a deal uh that we're working with you on in in kansas that actually fell apart like a couple days before closing and uh basically, you know, we spent a lot of money on getting the utility infrastructure looked at and inspected from plumbers and electricians. And, you know, when it, when it falls apart, you know, in the, in the final quarter, uh, it's unfortunate, but that's just something that we're really adamant about is, is checking out the infrastructure. Uh, and then, you know, you can change a lot about a piece of real estate, but you can't change the, the market, right? So if there's not diverse employment, uh, in some pretty steady, you know, stable uh, industries, you know, that's something we would likely pass on because we don't want a, a one horse town, as they say. 
No, I think I think that's prudent. Yeah, I've got a I've got a park right now that I'm I'm in the process of refinancing onto agency debt specifically to get off the recourse because it's a two horse town. It's not one, but it's it's got a meat plant and then like an outdoor sports plant. And so I'm like, man, and, it's, and, I, and I, I have an all Hispanic tenant base and they work at those two two factories. I'm like, you got a third and one, third and I'm like, if those places go out, I'm gonna be a little nervous. So um, I hear you, but when they're on the due diligence, I think that's really prudent to spend the money up front. And it's harder when you're getting started. It's like, man, am I gonna spend five grand on this kind of thing? Can I? And it's just tougher, but I think you need to on the infrastructure. You need to on your other third party reports. Like, yeah. I've got a deal here in Missouri. Uh, surveyors going out there tomorrow, and the surveys like six thousand bucks. And not, and I already paid for, I already got loan approval. So I got a, I got a three thousand dollar appraisal. I got a two thousand dollar phase one. I got a six thousand dollar survey. So I'm in, I'm in for eleven. Surveyor says a neighbor came over and told me this property was subject to a lawsuit a couple years ago based on a boundary dispute, and the seller's a bastard. And I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Because he was supposed to in his contract disclose this kind of stuff, give give me copies of prior surveys, which he said he didn't have, and now I'm eleven thousand pregnant, and I may have a problem. It's like, it's it's always hard to stomach that, but it's just part of doing business, unfortunately. So it's it's it's, hard, it's a hurdle. But I'd I'd rather spend eleven and and not buy a problem than exactly. this is like an eight hundred thousand dollar deal than buy an eight hundred thousand dollar problem. You know exactly. So yeah. it's. Easy, easy for me to say as the lawyer, you should definitely, definitely <laughs> don't be cheap on legal fees don't, and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> self-serving, but uh, I'll tell you, Andrew, I, I listened to one of your, one of your podcasts on your show and you were talking about some of your management and uh, manager training tips with like Trello and Slack and some of these, you know, I got my legal pad here. I'm old school, right? You got, you got some sophisticated systems there. Uh, can you give us a little, a little insights as to how you, how you train your managers with those sort of, um, you know, say higher tech methodologies. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing, uh, one software that we use is called Slack and some people may be aware of it. It's like a, a communication chat platform. Uh, it has a mobile app and a desktop version. And that has been monumental for us in our management of these communities. It just saves so much time and we love our onsite managers. I mean, they I truly feel that a lot of them are underpaid for what they do for us because they are just our eyes and ears, keeping eyes on everything, keeping tabs. Uh, but just one thing we've picked up is that uh, the onsite managers, they just love to, they just love to chat your ear off. And oh, yeah. if, if you, if you start a conversation, you could, you know, you needed just a quick 30 second answer and that could end up being 30 minutes really quick. So we switched over to using Slack where it's a chat platform we can ask a question and they can respond right in that platform they can send photos they can send uh you know videos they can send pdfs and you know everything and then it keeps the log the history so if they asked a question once and you answered it they can go back and search for that answer again uh, and that's just been really really valuable for us uh, and we create a channel for every community that we have and then we put everybody in that channel and that's how the on-site managers communicate with us versus, you know, text messaging or phone calls, et cetera. Uh, we also do weekly zoom calls with them uh, to kind of, you know, get an overview of, of that week and discuss the KPIs, the, the key performance indicators. Um, so that's, that's one of the platforms we use is Slack. Highly recommend that. Uh, Trello, as you mentioned, is another like project management tool that we mm -hmm. use. And that's more used by our off-site, you know, management team to just to manage vacant lots, uh, manage infill projects, 
manage homes that are up for sale, collections, et cetera. That platform is, it's, it's like a digital whiteboard and just helps us keep everything organized with real time photos and everything. So those are two you know, pieces of software I recommend. We also use Rent Manager sure. uh, you know, to, for invoicing and accounts receivable. So that's a great platform. And uh, overall, those, with those three, you, know, you have a head start because I think like you said, a lot of operators now that are like your mom and, to- mom and pop type, you know, they may be using a, a legal pad or a general ledger you know, right. with a written rent roll and things like that. So that no, it's definitely. That definitely sounds a little better than the old legal pad method. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I was kidding. I actually, we, we use some systems too, but that's, that stuff sounds great. And yeah, rent manager, I just did a little Zoom podcast on it the other day. I feel like it's an amazing tool. It's, 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 there's definitely a learning curve and some brain damage to figure out how to use these systems. But once you get up to speed, it's like, man, that's powerful. Especially, you know, if you're syndicating a deal, you can, you know, click a button, you can kick, kick out, you know, trial balance or profit loss or balance sheet rent rolls, all that kind of stuff. I was like, man, that's just, your investors want that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and I've invested in some, some deals in the past as an LP and I've had promoters that didn't do that kind of stuff. And then it's like, man, when I see the capability they could have done, it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's frustrating. Like you guys are literally using Excel and you've got a $50 million fund. Like, yeah, blows my mind, you know, and, and rent manager's not that expensive, you know, and there's other, there's other, you know, similar products out there that, not that expensive of what you get. So definitely a, uh, the way to go, I think. Totally, totally. And we just started using invest next for our like investor management system. Uh, and we just sent out our first quarterly, uh, quarterly emails, quarterly reports through that system. And uh, we, we like that so far, you know, cause you can send like ACHs to investors right through the platform pretty, pretty easily. So uh, that's a new one that we just started using. Great. Yeah. I've heard of a couple of different, those types of softwares. You can even send your K ones and all that yeah. kind of stuff and just have them uploaded instead of having to email them or mail them. Yeah. I, I still get some K ones in the mail and tax credits like good grief. How many trees are we killing for all these <laughs> different, you know, K ones, but some people like it old school and want a hard copy and who's going to tell them no. Right. Exactly. But, yeah. Uh, this is great. What other, what other tips or tactics, anything else you want to share with our audience um, tips that you've learned in the business or uh, horror stories or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, cost segregation studies. I'm a big fan of those, you know, every year uh, on new acquisitions, you know, I just think that that's just a huge tool, especially with the bonus depreciation. Um, You know, I don't know what your thoughts are on the cost segregation studies. I mean, a lot of people look at the price tag and they're like, Oh, that's, that's expensive. But I think it's just, it's worth its weight in gold. Yeah, we, we use them. And I mean, I think that um, Jonah Weiss was on here a couple weeks ago. We used, we used his company in it. he kind of recommends it's under a half a million. You may not need it over half a million to do. Um, so I, I, I bought a deal, two of them right at the same time. One was 1.4 and one was um, 135. It's really cheap. It was actually 65 space park I got for 135. Wow. So it was a good deal. Um, yeah. But I don't want to pay for a cost seg on the $165,000 park. So they basically were talking to my CPA for me and my cost segregation, but we were able to utilize some of the same percentages and, and formulas on this on the cheaper part we paid for one study we, we used it for free on the other and if we get audited on the other like we didn't we didn't have the engineer look at this one because the five the three to five thousand dollar price tag for those yeah. things didn't really make a lot of, as much sense on 165 especially with the short-term hold flip we, we since sold it um 
but I was able to use some of those methodologies. And um, yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big, I'm a big tax guy. I read the whole audit technique guides. I read like 106 pages. I read it two nights. I was like, I'm read, I'm, a, I'm gonna become a tax law expert because because of the, you, you've seen the power of the numbers on those studies. It's yes. like, good yeah. grief, you know. It's totally. I've, I've got three deals right now. We're we have to close one in December. We can close two others. Our due diligence would allow us to close them in January. But I told our team, I told the banker, I said, December 28th is my anniversary is the 31st. Got a party in 31st. I'm not going to, we're not going to do that the last minute. We're trying to get them closed in four weeks for that reason to take, yeah. take, take the tax write offs in 2001, especially with the new administration coming. God fury, what, what's going to happen with tax code if, if Biden gets his hands on it? Um, super biased on that. But uh, I think, yeah. You know, that's going to be a big deal for real estate investors, for MHP guys. So you can, I'm, I'm of the opinion, if you can close it for the year, close it. Definitely. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I wish we had more deals in the, in the pipe uh, to kind of finalize before the end of the year. But, uh, but yeah, that's a good point to try to push and get deals done before the end of the year. Yeah, I think so. Well, this is great, Andrew. Where can, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you or for your projects or just for your podcast? Let us know here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of me, uh, I do have a podcast called the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. You can find me there or you can check out my website. It's keelteam.com. That's just K-E-E-L team, like a basketball team.com. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for, appreciate yeah. you having me. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.